are listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, and we have come into our second hour. It is 8.05 a.m. I'm looking out the window, and I'm seeing a cloudy and overcast Newcastle. And right now, we are going to get into our 400-point clue for the quiz. Just as Mon swallows her breakfast. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I seem to have this terrible habit, like... Rise the newscast and says, and that's the news. And I'm like, oh, one more, one more, one more bite. <laughs> well, it does it taste down. good. It tasted really like good. It. So, so what did you, what did you actually make it? What'd so you... it was um, sushi rice uh-huh. with um, some mon magic in the rice. Oh, did you put like MSG in there? <laughs> Those are my initials. No, <laughs> <laughs> really? No, no, no. no. I, I don't. I don't actually have a middle name. Uh huh. Um, but uh, that would be cool. And then just some veggies and uh, some honey soy tofu. So you marinate the tofu, and, and then uh, sesame seeds, sprinkled sesame seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, uh, garlic and some other stuff in the rice. I like my rice full flavor. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm never gonna cook rice in just water. It's never gonna. That, that's not you. Yeah, it's gonna be like a whole bunch of stuff in there, making okay. it really tasty. Okay. Nice. Well, it was fantastic. I had some as well, and it was Praise great. But right now, it's time for our 400 point point. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for point. coming back around to yeah, that now right. that I've cleared my mouth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what relative do the Proverbs say a young man should call wisdom? Ooh. Mm, so for 400 points, you can get our bargain book, and the number to call is 0491 What relative do the Proverbs say a young man should call wisdom? Yep. 0491 Call or text that number. Now, I have a Massive messages. It's a slew of text messages here. Man, I feel like Lyle saying that. Um, to get through, let's have a look. Um, Lawson. Oh, no. Nah, this is this is actually <laughs> some, some criticism towards me. Lawson. <laughs> Read it. Breakfast <laughs> is the most important meal of the day. Amen. I was going to call you out on this later, <laughs> and I'm so glad someone did it for me. Both brown and white rice should be washed. Before cooking in, in a rice out. cooker <laughs> to remove the starch as it leads to smellier rice that spoils quicker. Listen, mate, I love it. It sticks not together. Smellier. It sticks together. It doesn't, I don't care what spoils quicker. I eat my rice in a day it's or two. It's gluggy and gross. And I like it when it's sticky. I like that yeah, starch. Yeah, but you just use like. Starch it up, baby. You, other starchy, things you, starchy, can starchy. You make it sticky. No, you just, you just run. Like what? So, so like during what? the break, so Mon quoted this person as saying that. Um, <laughs> Uncle Roger. Uncle Roger. Quoted. She said, Uncle Roger says you don't have to watch the, wash the rice. So then I showed her a video of Uncle Roger saying that you do need to wash the rice. And then we went online and I just typed in Asian wash rice and it's like Japanese people wash the rice Chinese people wash the rice Korean people wash the rice Indian wash the rice like all of them they all wash the rice there is no legs for you to stand on it's, it's I'm just I'm about you. to blow your mind Lawson what all Australian rice is washed when you wash that at home you're literally just washing it no that's again. not that's not true yeah it's that, washed that and is washed that's again. not true you're in, mm-hmm. you just need you need to wash it um, but thank <laughs> you for Raphael I will Endeavor to eat more breakfast. All right, next uh, next text message. Oh, okay. It says here, grew up in New Zealand and I've been to Switzerland. Love them both and agree with the beauty. Never been to Croatia, but seen photo and it looks lovely. Uh, but home is home, so NZ is the place to be. Saying that while sitting here in Brisbane, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brayden, for sharing with us. And I, I, yeah, dude, I, I tell you what, like, I am a, I'm a proud Australian, a proud Novakashian. That's someone who comes from Newcastle. But, dude, after hearing the New Zealanders sing "God Defend New Zealand" um, on dude, I Monday, I was like, wow. Like, have you been to New Zealand? I've been to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen the beautiful sights. I've been uh-huh. to glaciers and uh-huh. all of those things. So, um, I've been over to New Zealand a couple times now. But yeah, really beautiful spot. 
Another text message here. Can you imagine how beautiful it must have been? It must have been the houses of the antediluvian oh, uh, world. People, yeah. people made from wood, gold, silver, and precious stones. Now that's Carbon in reference to the amazing uh, building that they're they're building in world's Switzerland. World's tallest wooden uh, residential building. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna be talking about some antediluvians here. We're gonna Ooh. be talking about their their buildings. Throughout. I'm so fascinated by antediluvians <laughs> uh, because essentially, like our perspective on antediluvians is that they had great knowledge um, in which they did amazing things with, but in a sense, sort of um, in an ancient way. Yeah. It was, it's funny how we all seem to think that they're primitive, but actually they're probably one of the most advanced civilizations yeah. ever. And it's because they had such great capacity. Now, did they have phones and laptops and the technology we have now? And it's like, no, because we have the benefit of thousands of years of growth and development and all of those well, things. Well, apparently they had um, more advanced flying machines than we did. I... I yeah. don't know about that. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, like I, I, as in not. I don't know about that. Like I'm oh, doubting you. you. Like I just, yeah. I've, I've never heard. So yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. stuff. But like you said, because of their great capacity, they also had a great capacity for evil, which mm-hmm. is why they had to be wiped out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, another text message here. It seems like Elon and Donald are synonymous to some folks. I might have confused the names in there, but I did. I definitely did yesterday. Yeah. But uh, we see them kind of functioning in the same space at the moment. Rich businessmen who are trying to create social medias. They're both doing the same thing. So, <laughs> so interesting stuff. Um, that was from Vincent Braden writes in. Only thing I used Twitter for was for space news, but agree that there isn't much good in it. Uh, but also think that the same for all social media and, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot to agree with there. Uh, and finally, I pray this malaria vaccine is a real one that will actually eradicate it. Yeah, same. So, yeah, Bruce, same. we wholeheartedly agree. You know, we Well, they've got one million kids done and it's mm-hmm. working, so let's hope they mm-hmm. continue with the... Yeah, and then it can expand from there, obviously, with funding. This is, this yeah. is like, this is drastically needed. Now, I, I don't want to, I just don't want to bring up like COVID. I don't want to make any kind of a comparison. Yeah, no. Nah, but I just, I just want to quickly say, like... If we see such an effort to solve an issue like COVID via vaccination, um, how much more so should we try to solve an issue like malaria through vaccination, which um, has been around for longer and kills a lot of people. So, yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for your thoughts. Uh, Thank you for texting in. And, hey, if you guys have any questions of the day, 0491-064-669 is the number to call, and we (laughs) will answer any question you have on air. I promise. Any, any, oh well, we <laughs> want it to it. be a spiritual question. Oh, okay. You can throw us other kinds of questions if you like. We'll, we'll endeavor to answer them on air. But yeah, throw us a Bible question and we will answer it on air 100%. But now we are going into our Bible study, continuing on with this story of Noah and uh, what took place after the flood. So what did we get up to yesterday? What were we talking about yesterday, Monica? God was giving uh, civil... Um Sort of consequences for what would happen yes. if you were murdering people. That's right. Even for animals. Mm-hmm. That should really indicate what God thinks yeah. about murder. So he's like, if an animal kill, if a person kills a person, they should be put to death. Mm-hmm. If an animal kills a person, they should be put to death. Um, this is essentially what God says. And what we discussed yesterday was that, um, does this, does this mean that up until this point, murder wasn't punished, uh, or, or wasn't a sin? And the answer is clearly and obviously no, because one of the second recorded sin, the second recorded sin ever, 
is murder. Um, and we can clearly see that it is a sin. It is denounced as terrible behavior. But now God is putting in place a civil penalty for this as they've come off the ark and Noah and his family have the opportunity to create a new society, to put in place civil penalties and laws and rules and whatnot. God gives them direct instruction and say, hey, this should be a civil rule how you deal with murder. Uh, but now we continue on into the story of Noah um, and particularly today, we're going to, going to be covering a really interesting story, um, an interaction that happened between him and his sons. So let's pick it up from verse 18. Um, and Mon, do you just want to read through to verse 27? Nice big chunk there. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Hem, sorry, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Mm-hmm. Ham is the father of Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. Mm -hmm. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine, which he had, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, may the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Oh, okay. Really? I can't believe we're getting into this story in particular. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, we need to because, you know, we're covering this period, this era of history. And, um, just because, like, I've, I, ever since I was a kid, I've read this and been like, dude, he was just overreacting. Like, I'm German and nudity does not face me or my family <laughs> at all. So I've always been like, no one needs to calm down. So I'd love you to explain this one. Awesome. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Now, we are going to get into the the express and specific issue here uh, that people see, you know, this cursing that takes place as a result of a very interesting situation. Um, But first, we're going to look at, okay, so verse 18, they come off the ark, um, him and his sons. And then it says from there that it was out of this group of people that the entire earth was populated. Mm. Um, Now, uh, we mentioned this a little bit uh, last week and a little bit yesterday, you know, people look at this, this verse and they're like, how is that even possible? Like, you know, and we, we talked about the extended lifetimes that they had at this time. From this point forward, lives would start to decrease from around that 900 year mark to shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter over the next couple of generations. Um, but based on laws of, you know, exponential increase, we know that they definitely had the lifetime um, and the capacity to be able to create civilizations from these amounts of people. Yes, it would take generations, but uh, the point is that generations could come really quickly uh, because you had groups of people who lived for very long um, and had capacity to have lots of children. Um, You know, I think... I don't know what the record is for the most children. Maybe now in the modern era, maybe like 20 or something or 30, something, something, something wild like that. Um, But when you're talking about people who, well, Noah was 600 years old when this took place and his sons had lifespans that were similarly or, you know, slightly decreasing in length. And so they definitely had potential to, to pump out 
kids, you know. Yeah, no one lived to be 950 years. That's right. Yeah. So and so, yeah, they... There's a lot. That, they definitely... Even if you waited until you were 100 years old to start having kids, you could still, like, pop out 850 of <laughs> Yeah, them. that's right. You're, you're ab- you are absolutely getting it done. Yeah. People also complain about the... Um, incestual implications of that um not only from like because you know in the reason incest is wrong um the first like we put a big moral precedent on that we say oh no it's it's wrong because it's morally wrong but that moral precedent is also backed up by a um a genetic reality that kids of incest relationships like uh often you know have to deal with deformities and, and mm. these kinds of things and so it's like oh this is morally wrong because of this, um, yeah, this genetic and scientific reality. Uh, but you're looking at a time in which people are a lot closer to creation, a lot closer to perfect perfection. And so ultimately they do have that capacity to have kids who are related well, to had, each other. In, it was in eight people in the um, ark. So that yeah. means cousins could have married each other, which actually right now is not illegal. First cousin. Yeah. In so, Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, really? You can marry your first cousin in Australia, not your second cousin. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. It's it's illegal to marry your second cousin, mm-hmm. but not your first cousin? Yeah, because of genetics. That is... So it's actually, it's actually similar to what it was in the Ark. I mean, just after the flood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, there you go. There that you is go. Uh, that is a crazy situation. Things you didn't want to know, but now you do. <laughs> I do know it. But, but yeah, it is totally plausible, plausible and possible scientifically, you know, based on the genetic fortitude that these guys had and the lives that they lived, that they could have repopulate the earth. And that's what they start to do. You know, mm-hmm. as we said yesterday, that was the mandate that was given by God. They start to repopulate the earth. They got down to business. They, they start getting it done. Now, in verse 20, do you want to read verse 20 for us? Uh, verse 20 of chapter 9 says this. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. So he becomes a farmer in, in my Bible and your Bible says cultivated the ground. That is fancy terminology. Uh, well, not Garden. even fancy, <laughs> just direct terminology for he's farming. Mm-hmm. Um, he's cultivating the ground. He is a farmer of things that come out of the ground. And one of those specific things is a vineyard. So he is a guy. He has he's planted this vineyard, um, and he is cultivating the ground and he is getting his his work done. Do you think this was needed at this time? I mean, yeah, everything's just been destroyed by a flood. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So they definitely they need this. And I'm sure that, you know, Noah, this is Noah's specific role. I'm sure by this time they're creating, you know, um, remnants of uh, ancient society and they're starting to build and they're starting to plant and they're starting to farm. Even though they're in a new world, you know, their memory isn't forgotten of before. Mm-hmm. They, they know yeah. how to create things. They know how to grow things. Obviously, the world has just been flooded. A lot of vegetation has just been destroyed. And so the conditions are going to be much worse than they were before. Uh, but ultimately, they, they know what they need to do and they, they get down to doing it. Now, the next verse, verse 21, I think this is this is an interesting one. Do you want to read that for us? One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked in his tent. Okay, one day, my wife says, then, then he drank some wine um, and he became drunk. Now, it's interesting, when you read the Bible... Um, the majority of time, so th- this is clearly denoting. I just want to, I just want to point out. This is clearly denoting that he drank wine that he got drunk from. So therefore, we know it was fermented wine. Often, you know, they just had one word for wine back then, and it was either grape juice or wine or whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, we we call it grape juice today, but it's also like the correct terminology for grape juice, whether it's fermented or not, is also wine. 
you can call grape juice wine. Now, we know that this grape juice was specifically fermented. Um, and I want to ask you the question, do you think there is positive connotations here um, associated to Noah's drinking of wine? No. And getting drunk? No. It sounds like, it sounds like he was up to some bad stuff. <laughs> no. He, it was, yeah. it was a bad, ultimately, it was a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He had gotten drunk and he was uncovered in his tent. So he's, yeah. he's drunk in, in a stupor, as your, as your Bible would say later. Yeah. Um, he's drunk in a drunken stupor, laying naked in his tent. He is not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something, you know, people want to often talk about the, the whether drinking alcohol is okay based on what the Bible says. And I'll just put it like this. I don't want to go into a full Bible study on this now. But if you look at every single time people drink, where, where it's denoted as specifically fermented wine and getting drunk, it is always, and I mean always, like in the negative context. Or in the negative connotation, you might find one or two references that put it in the in the positive. I'm thinking specifically is like drink wine and uh, when when in the Proverbs Solomon says you know drink wine and uh, be splendorful as as he says I'm pretty sure. Uh, but you will mostly find it and specifically in this story here in the negative connotation. Okay, mm-hmm. so this guy he's at home he's he's planted this vineyard he's making grape juice but one day he makes a batch it ferments which happens naturally you know at this time they were storing wine in wineskins which is essentially the stomach of a uh, stomach of a lamb they would you know take that thing out they would dry it out and hollow it out and then they would keep it uh, wine in there and it would instantly start to to ferment a little bit and now if you just drank it you know within a couple of days then you were good um, but over say a week or a couple of weeks time um, it would easily ferment. You know, they didn't have conditions in which they could uh, cool the wine or they didn't have refrigeration or anything at that time. So just sitting there in the sun or in the heat, wherever it is, it would just ferment pretty uh, pretty, pretty quickly. And so he's drunk that wine. He's gotten drunk. He's laying there naked in his tent. He's not in a good way. That's that's where that's where Noah is right now. Now, what takes place after this is is quite interesting. So, do you want to read for us again, verse 22 and 23? Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. Okay. Mm. So, this is the kind of interesting part here, particularly verse 22, because it doesn't actually say a lot. We have a bit of information, but we're not dealing with a super in-depth explanation as to what happens. Uh, And definitely not enough for us in our day to justify like, oh, why was the reaction of, you know, Sham and Japheth? It sounds like he just went to get some help or something or was like, oh, hey, dad needs a hand. Mm -hmm. Get Mm -hmm. the brothers. And this is where biblical scholars um, and commentators have stepped in to try and interpret the situation, looking at, you know, the language that's used here, comparing it to other language that's used previously in the Bible to denote um, certain situations that are going on. And specifically here, uh, the, the how we have translated it in English, this idea of Ham, um, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. So Ham... One of the sons of Noah, he walks in the tent and it says here he sees the nakedness of his father. Now, the word that's translated see here, um, that word originally in Hebrew is the same word that is used uh, when it says that um, basically Eve saw the tree and saw that it was good for fruit. Uh, sorry, it was good for eating. Like it had good fruit that was good for eating. It's the same type of sea. It talks about a sea. 
um, that implies engagement. Now, um, interestingly, like scholars have um, seen this and they've tried to say, okay, well, what does it mean here by C? Is there something else going on? Is something else taking place with a lot bigger implications than just literally looking? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And you are joining us on The Breakfast Show this morning on Faith FM. And right now, it is time for the 500-point clue for the quiz. What man was charged with helping Israel get out from under the heavy taxes of the very overweight King Eglon? Mm. <laughs> oh, I love this story. Same, same. I love this story so like, as much. As a kid, I could not believe this story was real. I, I loved oh, it. Oh, dude, this is awesome. So <laughs> I think we know who it is, but 0491 is the number to call. And if they do know who it is, what can they win? It is the book of the day. Wait, do I have to tell them what the book is? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, I can, hang on, it, hang on, hang it's on. It's there. It's in Let me load Joseph it, Safari. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's right there. Um, just by the way, you guys are charging this iPad and it's not charging at all. <laughs> that's, that's it's okay. a good thing I can tell you what the question, what the uh, book of the day is because we're almost dead here. Nah, what a- uh, It's called But There Is a God in Heaven. It's an adult devotional by Carlos Puyol Biyun. Uh, the prophet Daniel explained the king because of the, the terms of a true hi- philosophy of history, mm. um, which is about uh, Daniel 2, um, and you can read all about that in the Bible. But this book goes into it even further. So this is... Uh, a 365-day devotional reading, and you can like read a page a day. Um, draw yourself closer to God uh, using this wonderful book. But there is a God in heaven. Mm-hmm. And the question, again, is what man was charged with helping Israel get out from under the heavy taxes of the very overweight King Eglon? Mm. And, of course, that, uh, that verse there from the book, that's Daniel chapter 2 and verse 28. I have that highlighted yeah, in is. my Bible with a love heart on top of it. Because nah. I actually, the way that he says it, too, is so epic. It's like a big mic drop. He basically says, like, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, all these people, they can't tell you the interpretation of the dream. But there is a God in heaven who knows secrets and tells, oh, it's powerful. It is awesome. So that is that is exciting. Guys, get this prize. But, hey, we're going to uh, finish off this section here in our Bible study. We're going to talk about what, is, what does it mean here? Why is uh, why does, um why is Noah coming down on his sons? For, for seeing. Mm-hmm. For seeing, as the Bible says, see here. And now, again, as I mentioned, scholars have come in and they looked at this word see. He saw Noah in his nakedness and they've taken further steps. To, to see, like, oh, maybe this will, it probably implies some kind of engagement. Um, and they go even further to say, like, okay, so what could that gauge engagement be? Maybe it was some level of sexual assault, or maybe it was some level, like, they, they really, they, really? They, they ultimately, they take it to a place uh, where essentially de- denoting some kind of engagement that took place okay. between Noah and his son. Now, I am inclined to disagree with their interpretation. We ultimately know that something went on that was that was dishonoring. Okay. He didn't just like see his father because his the reaction of his father is is terrible. Now I think something happened. Well, he curses him. That's really he terrible. He curses him. I think something took place. I don't think it's at the level of, you know, some scholars might say, well he potentially 
sexually assaulted his dad. I don't uh, yeah, know. I would, I, I would be more inclined to believe that maybe he was disrespectful and made fun of him or something. Or, that's right. Uh, it's not like he had the capacity to take a selfie and mock him, but maybe something in that vein. Yeah, that's right. Well, because as well, the Bible doesn't really mince words, but mm. particularly in the first five books of the Bible about um, people practicing terrible sins. Uh, in fact, I have a friend um, and they have very recently started reading the Bible and, you know, following Jesus and, and they, they're like, they're, they love Jesus and they want to learn about him. But they were like, I want to know about the Bible. I'm going to start in the Genesis. You know, I'm going to start at the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they quickly started to, like, Genesis is a fantastic book because it's full of stories. But they're looking for this loving and kind uh, Jesus. And they start in Genesis and they see all kinds of ter- murder <laughs> and yeah. rape and all, uh-huh. all kinds of terrible crimes take place. They're like, man, the Bible is intense. Um, now, the Bible doesn't mince words um, often. And some scholars have said, oh, maybe the, the writer of, the, you know, maybe Moses is being intentionally, you know, gracious with his words and, and trying to be modest. But then in, fur- in future places, he isn't so modest. So I'm inclined to not think that, yeah, he's... His dad, like Noah, got raped by his son or something like that. But I do believe there was a level of disrespect taking place. The purpose of going out and talking to his brothers was not from a place of, oh, hey, someone should go in and help dad. No, he he saw him. There was some level of engagement, some level of, of looking, making fun, disrespect, whatever it may yeah. be. But ultimately, I think that's that's the perfect word to describe what's taking place here. Disrespect. Disrespect. You know, there has, you know, uh, this per- ham... There's fallen out of harmony here in the situation where he's he's done something clearly wrong. Now, Noah comes too, uh, as you've read. So, well, following this, Ham and, uh, Shem and Japheth, they walk in and they chuck a blanket over the top of, of Noah. They walk in backwards. They walk in and backwards. And they take care not to look. They're not even mm-hmm. looking. They're just like fully like, oh, you know, we don't want to engage in this in this whatsoever. Um, they walk in backwards. They chuck a blanket over him. Probably and give him back some dignity. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, after what's taken place here. Um, do you want to read the verses after that? Let's pick it up in verse 24 and just read to 27. We'll read the curses. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Mm-hmm. So now a curse is pronounced and blessings are pronounced as well. Now, who was that curse on? Yeah, it was, it was on the guy's son. Uh-huh. So he, like, Noah must have been pretty annoyed. Yeah. Do you think it's Noah's right? You know, does does he just, can he just get angry and just make curses? Oh, it's so hard to say because we don't really know what happened. Well, we know that this curse actually came true. Mm-hmm. This is this is the ultimate thing. This curse did come true. And how do we know that? Well, it was from Canaan, which would be the people of Canaan. Uh, his line would amount in the people of Canaan, and those people would possess the promised land. Um, and then they would be dispossessed of the promised land. By who? Shem's uh, line. So Shem here, he's been pronounced a blessing on, and it says that Canaan will become a servant of Shem. Um but then we see that actually taking place in their future. This is actually a prophetic allusion to what would take place, you know, with the children of Israel uh, going into the promised land, taking it from those of the Canaanites. And so this actually came true. 
So we know here that Noah here, he's speaking from an inspired perspective. He's speaking on behalf of God. You know, he's not just getting annoyed and angry. Well, I'm sure he would have been annoyed and angry, but he is speaking on behalf of God to pronounce this curse. But the question is, does Canaan deserve it, right? Mm. Was it Canaan who committed the sin? No. No. Dad. It was his dad. Mm. Um, and, and we kind of think like, oh, is, is this fair? Is, yeah, short is, straw there. Is that right? Like, oh, come on. What did, what did grandson Canaan do to, to, to receive this kind of curse? And how old was Canaan at this time? He might have been a kid and had no idea what was happening. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But I think ultimately, like, so we've been talking about this idea here, disrespect and disrespect of parents. Is that a sin? Ah. Uh... I mean, the Bible in the Ten Commandments says, honor your mother and father. Yeah, that's right. Is it the same as respect? Do, well, do you believe that Ham in this situation is honoring his father by... Once again, it's hard to say because we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know if exactly we, what if, happened. If just as read, it sounds like yeah. he, was, he didn't do but, anything. But, you know, with some more context that yeah. we have from scholars yeah, interpreting... he obviously did something wrong. He obviously yeah. did something wrong. And so do you think he was... Breaking he was, the Ten Commandments, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was sinning. Mm-hmm. He had done the wrong thing, and it makes the Ten Commandments actually makes it very clear um, that sin is terrible, and it has the ability to affect our further generations as well. Now, we actually have picked up on this very much scientifically into our study of epigenetics, and we know that once you, when you yourself practice behavior, your offspring um, will genetically be predisposed to also practice that behavior, not just through influence, but through genetic predisposition. And ultimately, Ham has put himself in a situation where he is continually doing the wrong thing. And I believe that his kids would be naturally um, cursed by inclined Mm -hmm. to do that thing. Now, do they have a choice? Yes, they do. Um, But ultimately, because of Ham's bad actions, that would affect his future generations. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. To Faith FM, that was the Collingsworth family with If He Hung the Moon. A powerful stuff there. But right now, it is time for uh, our question today. Before we get into it, we're going to have clues for the quiz. You mean the answers for the quiz? Answers for the quiz. Yeah, That's yeah, what I okay. meant to say. <laughs> God used a chariot to take the prophet Elijah into the heavens, not a Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> the Egyptian army was the one that was pursuing the people of Israel and got completely destroyed in the middle of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Peter was the apostle that took his wife on ministry trips, according to Paul. A sister is the relative that the Proverbs say a young man should call wise or wisdom. Uh-huh. And Ehud was the man who was charged with helping Israel get out from underneath heavy taxes to the, for the of the very overweight King Eglon. And Ehud, the Bible says he stabs the dude mm-hmm. in his stomach, but he's so fat that he can't pull the knife out. Yeah, he got <laughs> swallowed up in his chest. Oh, man, that is so gnarly. Yeah. And then they're like all, okay, no, I don't want to explain the story. You should go read it. It's in yeah. the book yeah, of First Kings, I believe. It's a cool triumph. Second Kings. It's a cool triumph for left-handed people as well. Huh? The way he was able to get his his knife because they were checking like everyone they were like body checking them as they came in yeah but they were only checking the left hand side because people are right handed they reached for their left side to pull out their knife yeah and so they didn't check this guy's right side because he's actually left handed that's how he was able to get in it's actually in the book of Judges I was wrong yeah, I was yeah wrong. it's very cool but. so Ehud Ehud and Eglon 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 good stuff well right now it is time for question of the day. All right. What is our question of the day for today? This is coming from listener Sky. Thanks, Sky, for sending this in. Please explain, 
uh, Lawson. Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, from a nihilistic... Annihilationist? Perspective. Perspective, okay. From the annihilationist perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what she means by the annihilationist perspective is the view that we at Faith FM have on hell, which is essentially that hell is not a place that is burning forever, but it is is an event that happens at the end of time. Now, that is a whole other Bible study, but I can absolutely say and confirm, and if anyone is interested in doing this Bible study, hey, come to me. Give us a call, 0491-064-669. My job is to give people Bible studies. Give us a call. I can give you a Bible study on annihilationism, and I believe from the Bible there is an overwhelming amount of evidence that prove it to be true. Okay? So this is this is what I believe, according to the Bible. There's overwhelming amount of evidence. Now, there is one, I would say, one verse uh, or one passage here that's being mentioned that a lot of people cite to to um, promote the opposite. And they say, okay, well, if you have this overwhelming amount of evidence, what's taking place in Luke chapter 16? Luke chapter 16 contains a parable called the rich man and Lazarus. And what takes place in the rich man and Lazarus is that there's a guy, he's a beggar named Lazarus, and there's another dude who's just called the rich man. Lazarus dies, and the Bible says here, let me find this verse. It says, um, so the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried, okay? And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus um, in his bosom, okay? So the rich, uh, Lazarus, it says he dies. It doesn't say he gets buried, uh, but he's lifted up and taken up to paradise, which is in Abraham's chest or his bosom. And it says that this guy dies and is buried and goes immediately um, to torment and Hades in the, that word Hades means grave. He goes to torment in the grave. Um, now it says that he can see, um, Abraham afar off this guy that's in torment in hell. He can see Abraham who's apparently heaven. And then he goes to have a conversation with Abraham. And during that conversation, um, he asks Abraham to like put a drop of water on his tongue. Uh, furthermore, we ultimately see at the end that the point of this parable, by the way, uh, in the end is that the uh, man, the rich man who is in this Hades, he's in this state of torment, um, then says to Abraham, he says, oh, send Lazarus from the dead to my brothers so that they will know that they should repent. And the the response that Abraham gives is if they don't believe from the prophets, like, if they don't believe from the scripture, then they won't believe at all. They don't need to see a miracle. They don't need to see anything. They just need to believe from scripture. Scripture has enough evidence to show you why you should believe. Now, the point that I really want to make here about this um, this parable is, firstly, you know, does is this ultimately describing the reality of an eternally burning hell in which you go to immediately after you die? The answer is no. And the reason is because this is a parable. This is a story of folktale um, that is uh, basically communicating some kind of message, which we see clearly uh, the message of this parable is believe the prophets at their word, uh, not believe the prophets at their word, but in the prophets, in the Bible, in scripture, you have everything you need to believe in God. You don't need a miracle to prove that God is real. You have everything you need from scripture. Now, then how do we justify all the things that are being said? Well, if this is literally a breakdown of what happens after you die, Abraham, uh, sorry, heaven is Abraham's chest. Hell uh, is under your grave. And you can see Abraham from hell. And there's just so many, like Jesus is doing his absolute hardest to 
show us that this is not reality. But he's making a point here from a made-up story. He's just... It's clearly like, no, this is... this is All of these details don't represent a real thing taking place. It is a simple story to communicate that, hey, we need to follow God. We need to believe in him here in this world. We won't have any second chance to make a decision, but we have every opportunity now to follow God. Um, that is ultimately what the parable is explaining. And right now, it is the end of the show. Monica. Sadness. We're just... Come to Morning, an end. Weeping, gnashing of teeth. Well, what? okay, 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 okay. All right. This isn't this, this isn't destruction Let's at the end of time. This is just the end of the show. Okay. Oh, oh, oh just the end of the show. That, yeah, that's right. right that's bad. right. The end of the show. We're going to be back tomorrow, and I'm really thankful for you, Mom. Oh, bless. Because you've been here just Feeding getting you. it done as teaching uh, you how to feed- clean your fingernails. <laughs> Well, yeah, Lyle doesn't do any of these things. So, so. Lyle has a wife to help him with <laughs> he his hygiene. He does it for him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we also had a text coming in at the end here. It says the negative effects of alcohol can be generational mm. in reference oh, to our Bible study. Yeah. So interesting stuff there. Oh, also, g'day, Mon. That's from Christopher. Wow, so hey, Christopher. people are saying hello. But guys, remember today to talk faith, live faith, and act faith. And you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. You've been listening to The Breakfast Show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.